0: All right, so while the kids are headed down to Mr. Jacob downstairs, um, Paul and I decided we were going to do another Pastors at a Long Table. We, we like this kind of format because we get to discuss some of the things that uh, we do in the office every now and then. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, concerning spiritual leadership. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a pastoral selection process that our church has in place. We're going to be meeting uh, Mark Brussel. Who is from Massachusetts and will be meeting his wife and his family a little bit um, over this upcoming weeks. And as Paul and I talked about this in the office, we of course we want to inform you guys as a as a congregation what to be looking for in this area. Because a change in pastoral leadership is a big change. And it's also a big choice. And the cool thing is, our church has a process where you get to vote on this stuff, that you get to participate. <clears throat> and who the leadership of this church gets to be. So Paul and I, of course, uh, it's our responsibility as ministers of God's Word to continue it, to, to teach and point out these biblical principles that we're going to really present to you today. The elders in their search, of, of course, have looked at a lot of these elements. They've gone through their, the hard work of studying God's Word and saying, okay, what does it look like to have a spiritual leader? What are some of the character traits, the qualities that make a good spiritual leader. So don't, don't worry. They did do their job, and they did a great job in it. But now they're presenting a candidate, and now you're going to be able to ask them questions, and we want to give you guys some ideas of what maybe you need to ask or some of the questions that you need answered as you get ready to proceed to vote in possibly a month and a half. Uh, so today we're going to simply talk about these qualifications of what it looks like To be a spiritual leader, we're going to talk about spiritual leadership in general, but we're going to kind of focus really uh, down toward the elders and the pastors uh, in the New Testament. So, Paul, uh, why is God, first off, so concerned about spiritual leadership that he gives us biblical principles in his word to follow? The whole idea
1: is that if you're a leader, you're expected to walk before and ahead of other people, and set an example for them to follow. Obviously, no human being is the ultimate authority. Even though pastor is another word for the word, or shepherd is another word for the word pastor, uh, we are to be shepherds. As somebody told me a long time ago, when you're a pastor, you're a sheep that's been made a shepherd. They're 100% right. But as pastors, we have a shepherd we follow. In fact, is if you would flip to the next slide there, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, to get started and look at why God is so concerned about the whole idea of spiritual leadership. I'm going to read the whole passage. Uh, there's only part of it on the slide in front of you. Peter is talking to the church and he says, Therefore, I exalt the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be, to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving examples to the flock. And when Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The key word that I want to emphasize right here is the word examples. You say, oh, we know what an example is. But the Greek word means to leave an impression. Like you would take a sealing stamp in wax when they would seal a document. Or in my shop, I have uh, punches that have letters and numbers on them. And if I work on an engine or another part, I want to make sure I remember which part is which. I will take that give it a good whack with a hammer, and it puts a 1, an A, or a B, or whatever else it is on there. It's identifying. It leaves an impression that doesn't go away easily. And so he is saying to the leaders of that church, you have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to shepherd. A shepherd is one who feeds and takes care of the flock, meeting all the needs of the flock. If that is the case, and it is, then this is a very important position. It goes on to say, the the oversight that you exercise shouldn't be simply because you got paid or somebody expects you to do it. You should do it voluntarily, above and beyond. In fact, as it says, with eagerness, willingly. Anyone that is going to be an elder or a spiritual leader, it isn't because somebody voted on you. That may be a confirmation, but that's not the reason. You do it because you choose to do it and you want to do it. You do it, as it says here, with eagerness. And then he goes on to say, Oh, and by the way, you don't bully people. Shepherds do not chase sheep. Shepherds don't yell at the sheep. Shepherds walk before the sheep. And the sheep follow. If you want to know if you're a spiritual leader, there's an easy way to find out. Start leading. If no one follows, maybe you're not a all the leader you think you are. But if people follow, you know that they may be looking to you for their example. Now, ultimate example, of course, is Jesus Christ. But as leaders, we represent God to the people, just like a shepherd represents safety and security and provision to the flock. But it ends this way that we are not to lord over them. One of the things that I'd like to emphasize anytime there's a change, there's always stress. In the beginning of COVID, a year and a half or a year and a quarter ago, whatever it is, there was a lot of stress. All kinds of things in everybody's life changed. By the way, I don't care what your opinion is about any of the Items that came up. That's not my point. My point is things change. It stressed people out. Things just weren't the same. And you have to deal with it. Good things cause stress. Yesterday, I had the privilege of officiating at a marriage. It was a joyous occasion, of course. But I do know that there are two people today that are going to be dealing with stresses they never dealt with before. Because they are going to have to learn to live together the rest of their lives. And that's going to require change. And there's stress that goes with that. So stress is a part of change, good or bad. When we talk about a lead pastor, by the way, that's the new word. They call me the senior pastor. It's because I'm an old guy. The new guy is younger. By the way, lead pastor is actually a better name the more I think about it because we're talking about spiritual leadership and if there's a pastor in a church, he absolutely should be the leader or at least one of the leaders. Now, there's something I want to make clear. We're going to use a number of different terms here today. One of them is elder. You already heard me use that one at least twice here. The word elder simply means somebody who is spiritually mature. They may be somewhat older in age, but that's not the real criteria. Excuse me. That's not the real criteria. It is spiritual maturity. But the other words that are descriptive of that office or that position uh, that are found in the Bible uh, are overseers or bishops. Simply means that. Someone who supervises, looks over what is going on. The word presbyter is also used. It's kind of like the same as someone who is also spiritually mature. But the one that we're concerned about right now and in the next several months at Garden Chapel is the word pastor. It simply means a shepherd. As we will see in the in the Bible here in a moment, that there's a responsibility that goes two ways when you talk about a pastor. A pastor is simply one who has been set apart from the rest of the elders. All pastors are elders. But not all elders are necessarily pastors. We need to understand that these all are referring to spiritual leaders in the local church. But it's more about a position and I do not discount the person because the person obviously is the one setting the example, but it's about a position. People and uh, and and I appreciate this, people say to me, "We'll never have another pastor like you." And I go, "Praise the Lord, you don't want another pastor like me." Because guess what? I am who God made me and who God wants me to be. Anybody else that would try to be like me would be crazy in the head. I don't try to be like anybody else either. Because God expects you to be your best self when you're being a spiritual leader. And all of us in some way or the other are spiritual leaders. Not necessarily a pastor or an elder. But if you're a parent, you're a spiritual leader. If you're a husband, you're a spiritual leader. If you have a if you're a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher or working the to toddlers or have a Bible study, you're a spiritual leader in one sense. But there's a position that we're talking about here. In fact, is the apostle Paul makes it very clear to the Corinthian church. He says, "What is this that I hear in chapter 1? Some of you are saying, "I'm a Paul and and I'm of Apollos and I'm of Cephas, which is another name for Peter. And some are saying, I'm of Christ. You know, I don't need anybody else. I'm a little bit more spiritual than the rest of you. And he goes on to say in chapter three, he says, here's the deal. I planted. He was the missionary that came to them. Apollos watered. He was that intellectual that came and taught them. But God gave the increase. It's more than a person. Don't get caught up, and uh, Peter and I discussed whether I should use this term or not, but you're going to hear it. Don't get caught up in a personality cult. That'll get you in trouble every time. See, it's not simply about the person. It is about the person because they represent what Christ wants to do. They are leaders. But the position is what you need to look at. And the name of the person in that position may change. It's going to change. Nobody asked me to retire, by the way. Just so everybody knows that, I've known. People have said to me, uh, how are, you put it, how are you dealing with their... They're standing up there saying, pray for the next guy and here's the next guy. How do you do... I'm like, praise the Lord. Our elders are doing their job. They're doing their job and uh, I'm 100% for them. In the very beginning, they said, Paul, what are the non-negotiables? What are the things that we cannot compromise on as a church? I was a big, big part of this several years ago. About a year and a half ago, I think I made one of the best... Choices I ever made in my life as a pastor, I said, you know, it's time for me to step back. And uh, I looked at the elders, all good guys, and I said, one of them has the gift of leadership for sure, and that was Scott Romberger. He, you see him up in front of you, doing a good job, from what I understand, what I can see, and said, you know what, I need to step out of this, and the elders need to take it. And so uh, a number of them took the lead. Craig was one. Mike Crick and and Scott and all the rest of the elders together with them, uh, putting it together. And they started looking toward the future and actually interviewing candidates and going through the the review process and uh, the candidating process. I believe they've come up with a good candidate. He speaks about two-thirds the speed I speak, so just be aware of that. And he has an accent that's not Pennsylvania Dutch. So uh, he's going to be different than me. There's no doubt about that. You'll hear him in a few weeks. But the point here is, it's not about the name. It's about the position that God has given that person. And so, yes, it will change. Will it cause stress in the church? Yeah. Will it be better for the church? I believe it will. I seriously, I'm dead serious about that. I believe he'll do a better job than me. I believe that. I hope I'm right. And I hope you give him the chance to do that. Because what it does say, it says, let those who are the elders be worthy, uh, who rule well, be worthy of double honor. Especially those that work hard at preaching and teaching. You notice there are three words there. Rule, which is that oversight, leadership type thing. And then preaching, which usually in the Bible, in the New Testament, has to do with presenting the gospel. And then teaching, which is accurately and intelligently conveying the truths of the word of God. He said they're worthy of double honor. Well, if you keep reading in that passage, it gives a quote from the Old Testament and uh, also says a worker is worthy of his wages. And you don't muzzle an oxen when he's threshing. Why? You have a responsibility to honor that person by standing behind that person and meeting their needs, making it possible for them to be a leader. But the other part of that honor is that you look to them and Confer that value that that position brings. Now, obviously, we're gonna, in a few moments, we're gonna talk about the characteristics of a spiritual leader. Uh, and that has to be present. But when those things are present, don't go, that's not Pastor Paul, so you know I'm gonna hold back. No, don't do that. Don't do that. It would be to the detriment of your detriment and the detriment of this church. But Peter's going to go and do a little bit of a background on what does a spiritual leader look like.
0: Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, And spiritual leaders, it's not just focused in the New Testament with pastors. We see this all throughout all of Scripture. And there's a number of spiritual leaders we can point out at kind of their failures and successes. When you go back all the way back to Exodus, when the people are at the edge of Mount Sinai... And Moses is up on the mountain for a number of days. The people come to Aaron and say, hey, make for us a god to worship. And so Aaron actually gathers up gold and he smelts this, this golden calf and the people start worshiping it. And there we see an example of a spiritual leader kind of pointing people in the wrong direction. Setting them up a, a false god. But it doesn't just stop there. You continue on by First Samuel... You see Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas are are servants at the temple or priests at the temple. And they they are going into battle and they think, Hey, let's just take the Ark of the Covenant with us into battle and and surely we'll win. Let it be our good luck charm. Unfortunately, they lose that battle and they lose their lives and the Ark gets captured. See, they, they were treating God as just this thing to be used. And Eli, of course, gets a message from God and says, Hey, because of, of, of the job that you've been doing, yeah, I'm giving it to Samuel. You won't be around forever. Your family will not continue in this direction. And the spiritual leadership that Eli had in the people and then not correcting his sons, it distracted the people, made God seem like a good luck charm. And that was a problem. But then, by the time you get into the New Testament, you have a new group of religious leaders that also have a huge problem. The Pharisees. The Pharisees looked really good on the outside, and they emphasized to the people, you need to do, do, do the right thing. Unfortunately, they weren't really getting to the heart of the problem, which was the heart. So when Jesus comes on the scene, most of his ministry is fighting this perspective that the Pharisees have set into place in the people's minds and in their hearts that God only cares about the outside. And Jesus says, that's absolutely not true. He says, God cares about what's going on in your heart so much more. So as Paul was simply stating, spiritual leaders are leaders and guides. They direct the people on how to worship and how to glorify God with their life. And we can see tons of examples of bad leaders in scriptures, but we also see examples of good leaders in scriptures. Paul and Peter... (coughs) There's a reason why they take time in their letters and in their messages to the church to talk about these qualities of what makes a good spiritual leader because they understood that this is important to God and that the church will undergo leadership change because, unfortunately, we as pastors are just human beings. We will die one day, which means someone new will have to take our place And for the church, it was very much this direction because, let's face it, the apostles were being persecuted and slain rather quickly. They knew they wouldn't be around for a long time. So how do we choose and establish new generations of pastors or elders or spiritual leaders within the church? God gave Peter and Paul direction and what to write, and they recorded qualities of what makes a good spiritual leader. So, Paul, simply, what do we find throughout Scripture of what makes a good spiritual leader? One of the things is that they need to be
1: someone who recognizes when things are wrong. To the church of Ephesus, in the book of Acts, chapter 20, the apostle Paul is coming to the end of his missionary journey, and he stops at Ephesus And he calls the elders to him. He also calls them overseers. He calls them and he says, I want you to guard the flock. And he says, this flock is the church of God, which God purchased with his own blood. That's Jesus Christ purchased the church. Again, it's not my church. People say, oh, is that your church? I'm like, yeah, I'm the pastor there, but it's not my church. It's Christ's church. But he says, be on the guard. And uh, he says, you need to shepherd it. Because he said, when I leave, I know what's going to happen. He says, from the outside, there are going to be people that come and attack the church. They're going to be like wild carnivores. Now, I've watched enough nature programs and I've seen, you know, animals attack another animal and eat them up, tear them up and kill them and eat them and all that kind of stuff. It's always a gory situation. He said, that's what it's going to be like. You're going to have people from the outside of the church come in and they're going to try to do all the damage they can do and kill you. But That's not the worst. Because if you know that's coming, you can prepare yourself. You can see the lion. You know, the antelope sees the lion coming and he takes off. You can see that. But he says, the real one, the one that's the hardest to deal with, he says, That I know, and from among yourselves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. That's the hard one. This is the person that says, Oh, you know what? I know the Bible talks about that issue or that circumstance, but you know what? That's not a hill I would die on. You know what? Pastor, you you shouldn't preach about that. You might offend people. Uh, Somebody might leave the church if you take a stand on something. By the way, I'm not talking about stuff the Bible doesn't talk about, you know, Christian liberty stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stuff where the Bible says, no, this is black and white. If you won't take that stand, people from the inside of the church, it's the state of the church as a whole today. If you haven't watched, just listen to the news of churches one after the other capitulating to stuff that's totally perverse, totally wrong, and they're saying, "Oh well, you know, we're all inclusive and we'll just take, we, we won't take a stand." It's just wrong. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter what the society says. But it's not people from the outside doing this. It's people on the inside. So. You have to have the character of being willing to be a guard and and guarding the flock. But the typical place we go when we talk about the qualities of leadership is usually 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And they're the right places to go. And I would point out, because of, of time, and Peter is going to probably encourage you to go and look all these up, right? Okay, he'll do that later. But first, 1 uh, Timothy chapter 3, he starts with the the qualifications or the character of leader with one thing and ends with the same thing, but in a different direction. He says it this way. <clears throat> he says... An overseer must be above reproach. I have a way that I describe that. You have to be a Teflon Christian. I've been a pastor long enough, 34 years, to know that I've been called all kinds of things that are absolutely not true. 25 years ago, I was called a liar and someone who was teaching cult doctrine. Neither one of them were true. When the person was confronted, they refused to even talk to me or the other elders. They refused. I'll tell you what, even to this day, when I talk about it, and it still brings emotion. Because my credibility and integrity was on the line. That's not a fun thing to talk about. But here's what I know. It didn't stick. Why? Because it wasn't true. And if you're going to be a spiritual leader, you have to live a life such that no matter what somebody throws at you, it doesn't stick. You ladies and men who cook, uh, you know you like those nonstick pans because you don't have to get in there with a scraper and scrape it off. That's what it says without reproach. But that's with the congregation. But when you get to the end of the qualifications, and there's a lot of things in between, it says in verse 7, it says, He must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he may not fall into reproach, same word again, and the snare of the devil. It's not only about what the congregation sees, but it's what do people see who are all around here. Is my life the same Monday morning as it was Sunday morning? Is it the same Tuesday afternoon as it is Saturday afternoon at a garden tractor pull? Is it the same? If it's not, I'm bringing reproach on the church, which is not mine, but is Christ's. It reflects on what Christ has done in a very negative way. We need leaders like that. Hopefully, I've done that. One of the things that our elders have done, uh, they did a 360 review. They took a questionnaire and sent it to at least 40 people that have known this new guy, Mark. They, they've known him from work situations, from churches, from people in the church, people out of the church, people in the community, uh, And got responses back. To see, is this person the same on Sunday as he is the rest of the week? Is he consistent in what he does and what he says? That's really important. Because it says we would bring reproach. We will fall into reproach. And the snare of the devil. The devil would like nothing more than to tear down spiritual leaders. See, if he tears down one of the sheep. That's bad. But if the leader gets torn apart, it's really bad because we represent and we should be, we started with this, an example to the flock. There's nothing more heartbreaking for me as a pastor than to see someone who's been a spiritual leader fall. It's horrible. And not be willing to deal with it. It's really difficult. And he says, these are the characteristics that need to be true. And it goes on to say, hey, how does this guy treat his wife and his children? Is he a guy just looking for an argument?
0: All of those other things that are in between there. And Peter, why don't you take it from here? So Ephesians chapter 4, many of you guys know this one, talks about the spiritual gifts, but it also highlights the purpose of these things. And part of the role of a pastor teacher is actually supposed to help build the church up in unity and in the faith so that they no longer look like spiritual infants being tossed about by doctrines and different thoughts and and feelings and things like that, but being spiritually mature, founded in Christ and looking like Christ. Then when you jump down to Matthew chapter 20 verses 25 through 28, you probably see one of the greatest qualities within a spiritual leader. And that's what we call servant leadership. This is the story of Jesus when he's washing the disciples' feet, and he tells them simply that they need to be the same thing that he is, a servant to all. That that's what makes you the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus himself is our greatest example of what a spiritual leader should look like. He's a servant there to help people, to point them toward Christ, and to bring them into a deeper relationship with God. And so this is really important. And what we simply want to do as pastors is encourage you guys that over the next two weeks, June 13th or 11th is right around the corner. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're talking two weeks away. What I want, well, actually both Paul and I do want to encourage you is to take these verses home and read through these things. Highlight, Highlight in your Bible some of the qualities that stand out to you. And then take some time to pray about it. You're not going to have a long time with Mark. Mark's going to be here for just a short time. He's going to be preaching only twice, well, four times, but twice in our services. And then we're going to be voting in July. That's not a lot of time. So there's not a lot of time to ask a lot of questions. But what I do want to encourage you to do is as you read through this and as you highlight characteristics that stand out to you, pray and ask God to show you what question you need to ask to be sure about this. To know that, okay, we're moving in the right direction. This is something that's important to God and to me. That I need to know about before I can say yes in this next step. The cool thing is you guys will get to ask questions. We won't be able to answer them all. We won't be able to ask all of them. But think about some of the key ones that you need to know. Or that God Mm -hmm. has highlighted to you. You guys get to be a part of this. And we want to encourage you to take this thing seriously. Because it's serious to God. He's given us these qualifications and these standards for a very good reason. They're for our benefit so that we know what his will is for the church. If you are interested, uh, there's five
1: years worth of his sermons on Facebook. All you have to do is type in Mark Brussel. It's like Brussels, uh, like Brussels, Brussels sprouts. You, you know, Brussels. Uh, just type that in. There's five years of his sermons on there you can listen to them all and you can get a lot of additional background. I'm going to end with something that I've used with the elders probably four or five times over the past 15 years since I put this together because I challenge the elders uh, that this is what a spiritual leader looks like. This is what shepherd leadership or servant leadership looks like. I have 10 things. I'll do them really quickly. First of all, being a shepherd is plain every day caring about people. (laughs) Doesn't sound hard, but it's one of the hardest. you just plain every day care about people. Number two, you get to know who the sheep are. You cannot be a spiritual leader if you don't know the sheep. You need to get to know them. That's your responsibility as a leader. You need to be willing to lead by example. I've said it before. If people, your, your example is such that no one will follow, uh, you need to check your own life. Number four, you need to be ahead of the sheep. You need to take the initiative. Be on time. Be ahead of the curve. Don't just react, but take the lead. Number five, you need to be personally following the chief shepherd and the good shepherd. If your spiritual life isn't what it should be, there's no way you can be a spiritual leader. Number six, you need to be able to identify false teaching and be able to use the word of God to instruct people in the right way. That's over and over again. Number seven, this is a fun one. Be willing to confront things that are wrong or false. That is the hardest job of being a spiritual leader. Parents know the same thing. You need to confront your children when they're wrong. Spiritual leaders need to be willing to do that same thing. It is never a fun job. Number eight, you need to get out of the way. A spiritual leadership is never about you. It's about how I have an impact on the other. The passage that Peter has up here, it says that Jesus Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He went right out there and paid the price for us. And that's what we need to do. A shepherd must know what's happening. You have to have a finger, about four fingers in the word of God and one finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world if you're going to help people to live in this miserable, messed up world we live in. And the last one, you need to be willing to do whatever you are willing to ask somebody else to do. I hope that I've always done that is that I, will, I, I made up my motto, I won't ask anybody to do anything that I would not personally do. It's not do what I say to do. It's, no, you can look at me and I'm willing to do it. It may not be my gift. It may not be where I belong. But I need to be willing to show people what to do and take the lead. Leadership. That's what we're encouraging you. Think about these things. But most of all, make sure you understand it's not about Pastor Paul. And it's not even about the next guy per se. It's about the position. It's about the character. It's about the, qual- the quality of the person, not the specific personality or the specific name. That's a challenge, and it's a hard one. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've given us the Word of God. We've just scratched the surface on what spiritual leadership looks like. And I pray that Peter and I have been uh, an example of this. And Lord, we pray for that next person, whoever it might be, whether it's Mark or ultimately someone else, that they too would have these qualities and that we would be the sheep that follow The shepherd, when the shepherd is leading in the right direction. Lord, I pray that our congregation would show that double honor. Take care of them and give the deference that is needed for someone to be a leader. Thank you, Lord, for being able to talk about these things openly and straightforwardly this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God.